Hey guys, it's Ed and I'm coming to you live from the Drunk Gossip Studios here in New York City. And it is raining here and I don't like it. And, oh, oi. All right. Um, so, over the weekend, lots of shit happened. And it's almost crazy how much actually happened. Uh, you know, it's just one of those things where it boggles my mind. Um, and the first, the first story up would have normally been our last segment, but since we have Will coming in and joining us uh, for Politalk, uh, it's going to be our first. It's going to be our first segment of the day. Um, Cardi B has a new Netflix show coming out. So she was out doing press for it. Um, now, with Netflix, they have obviously a variety of shows, but one of their mandates has been to find a music uh, a music show um, that will generate the same kind of interest as The Voice and or American Idol. And in this new show, um, I'm trying to find the name for you. And the new show, uh, Rhythm and Flow, um, they think they found it. So, Cardi was out doing her interviews, and essentially what happened was she sat down with Access Hollywood, and they talked about her busy schedule. She talked about how she actually mandates um, five hours a day to be with her daughter. So that, you know, it's not always the nanny raising her and whatever. And she said, yes, I know I could have my nanny watch her. I could have all of this. But I don't want... Essentially what she said was, I don't want my daughter calling someone else mother. Access Hollywood, brilliant people that they are, hiding the pussy tape from Donald Trump and all that, ran with that quote uh, and chopped it up and made it into a clickbait article where it, it very heavily insinuated that uh, that Cardi B's daughter culture or already called the nanny mother. And Cardi went off. It was... Now, I just have to say this. I do not agree with what she said. I understand why she said it, and I understand why she was angry. That's not in question here. What is, what is in question here is her choice of words. She... She accused them of chopping up her words to make a clickbait title, which, yes, they did, period. There's not even a question about whether or not they did that. She said, Access Hollywood, suck my whole dick. Suck a dick. I hope your fucking mom catch AIDS, bitch. Here's the thing. First of all, we're living in 2019, okay? Fuck you, Cardi B. Fuck you, Cardi B. For using AIDS as an insult, okay? You're better than that. 
or at least you purport to be better than that. But you go around talking about how how you drug and rape men and stole money from them. So maybe you're not better than that. But here's the thing. People with HIV and AIDS are already so stigmatized that it's not even funny. They don't need... Probably the top rapper out there right now adding even more stigma to this disease. Now, of course, we've come much further, farther, rather, than we were in the 1980s and the 1990s. But we still have a long way to go. Um, California just made Prep and Pep available over the counter. First state in the country to do so. Yeah, I just put that in there. Mm-hmm, that's more breaking news for you bitches. <laughs> in all seriousness, though, um, using and weaponizing AIDS is just not cool. It, it makes everyone involved look bad. And here's the thing. Here's what really... <coughs> here's what really boggles my mind. You can tell I'm worked up by this. Um, if she had just left it at suck my dick, or suck a dick, nobody would have been mad. I certainly wouldn't have been. I would have been like, oh, girl, you go. But you had to add the AIDS part in. And she won't back down and apologize for it. In fact, she's trying to spin it to be even more of a victim now, saying that she's not going to do interviews anymore. Okay, girl, don't do interviews anymore and watch your career dry up, okay? Watch your career dry up, because that's what's going to happen. There are very, very few celebrities out there who can get away with with not doing interviews. You're not one of them. Your whole career is predicated on getting press and doing these interviews. So if you stop doing them... You're going to stop having a career. Apologize now. Or lose everything you've worked so hard to build up. And I'm going to be right back. And I'm back. And in more horrible sad news. We're going to be saying goodbye to Alex Trebek. Sooner rather than later. But he does not want us to feel sad about it. In fact, he wants us to celebrate the fact that he had a good, long life. Um, In a remarkably candid interview with W5, which is a show up in Canada, he said, One thing they're not going to say at my funeral as part of a eulogy, he he was taken from us too soon. I'm 79 years old. So, hey, I've lived a good life, a full life. And I'm nearing the end of that life. I know that. I'm not going to delude myself. If it happens, it happens. And why should I be afraid of it? And, you know, okay. I don't think anyone particularly welcomes death, but I think this is a very healthy attitude. Um, because so, 
so many people in in so so many situations give in to their fear and end up creating a bigger mess trying to stay alive than if they accepted death gracefully. Um, which is what Alex is doing here, okay? Like, yes, it sucks. He's a beloved television icon. But the one thing that we all have in common is we're all gonna die. And, you know, I, and I, I'm not saying that I'm gonna be the most gracious person when I'm dying. Because trust me, y'all hear me when I'm talking to you. You hear all the ums and the uhs and the coughs and the sneezes and the whatever. Can you imagine what I'm going to be like when God's like, all right, it's your time. Come on, boo. I'm going to be like, oh, God, no. I still have another season of BA Channel 20 to watch. Okay, you little bitch. I ain't coming. <laughs> And then he's going to take away my tequila and make me come. <laughs> but. Jokes aside. You know, I really do admire what Alex Trebek is doing. Um, I see there, there's that um again. Ugh. Anyways. Uh, I think he is probably one of the classiest and bravest men out there. And he may be walking away from Jeopardy before too long. In the same interview, he talked about how the chemotherapy he's going through has given him sores. Uh, he's not as quick with his words as he used to be. He's starting to slur a little bit. And producers are assuring him, hey, like, we don't hear it. But he... He says he hears it, and he says acute members of the television audience is going going to hear it. And it really bothers him. Now, of course, he's under contract until 2022, I believe. So, any chance of him leaving will be predicated on Sony allowing him out of his contract. Given that he's sick, I don't necessarily see them fighting him on that issue. But they probably could. I think what will happen is they will ask him to give enough leeway time for them to find a replacement host. And I am here for Rosie O'Donnell taking over. I I know you all think I'm crazy. I know you. I I can hear it in your voices. Even though. You're not talking to me. I can hear it in your voices. <laughs> Anyways, um, I think really Rosio, I, she would just be a great ho- uh, game show host. It gets her back into what she does best, um, and focusing on the contestants and focusing on the audience. I I really wish they would let her host a daytime version of the match show or match game. Or replace Alec Baldwin with Rosie. Uh, or, and this was this is the best of both worlds. Replace Elizabeth Banks as host of Press Your Luck with Rosie. Oh my God, that would be terrific. Um, 
Honestly, like, I love Elizabeth Banks, and I, this is about Alex Trebek, and we'll get back to him in a second, but she is not a good game show hostess. She's a fabulous actress. I love her to death. I think she's so talented. But game show host is not one of those titles that everyone can carry. I think Rosie could carry it because she has that personality. Uh, Alex has been able to carry it because... See what I did there? See? <laughs> Alex has been able to carry it because he's very gentlemanly. He's very charismatic. And I don't get the impression that he's all about himself at, at all. Which is refreshing. Let's send our condolences to Alex Trebek. Um, or not condolences, well wishes, I should say. And pray that he gets through this latest medical crisis. And I will be right back. And I'm back. So, uh, Janet Kramer has been very open about the struggles she has in her marriage because her husband is an alleged sex addict who had cheated on her multiple times with multiple women. Um, Most recently, it was acknowledged last year that he had slept with another another person. That's the language they use, not anything I'm making up on my own. Uh, And so... uh, The trends seem to be happening again over this weekend where um, Jana was uh, set to perform and her husband, Mike, uh, received a picture of a topless woman with the caption, let's try to meet up this time. Mike deleted this this picture and message and blocked the number, but didn't tell Jana what happened. So the next day, she found the picture on his Apple Watch and thought that he was being sneaky again. And the troubles in the marriage started to unfold all over again. So, here's the thing. A cheater will always cheat, period. If they cheat on you once and they get away with it, they're going to keep doing it. And this is, a, this is something that I've said to a lot of people in my life, men and women, uh, about partners. I have one friend who stayed with her partner, even though he cheated multiple times on her. Um, you know, damn it, the ums. Sorry, I got yelled at. Will yelled at me about the ums. Um, damn it. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. So I had one friend who stayed with her husband. Despite him cheating on her with multiple people, including, if I recall correctly, um, one of their friends. However, another of my friends found out that her husband was cheating and kicked him to the curb and has never been happier. The reason why people stay or leave relationships is their own. 
I don't know why Jenna is staying. But I do want to just say, a cheater's going to cheat. Uh, you know, there's there's nothing wrong with having an open relationship. If that's what you want. If you if you love this person and you can't imagine your life without them. And you accept that they're going to fuck around on you. More power to you. You know, when it, when it comes to this sort of situation, we often look at the Clintons. Hillary and Bill. The right wing hates Hillary because she stuck by Bill instead of divorcing him. But we don't know what their relationship is. We know that they obviously care very deeply about one another. We know that there is... um, That they're much stronger together than they are apart. And I did not mean to use her campaign slogan... But it really works here. Um, damn it! Sorry. Okay. Moving on. They they are much stronger together than they are apart. Maybe Jana feels that way about Mike. Maybe she likes the attention. I had a friend who I who I no longer speak to but actually seemed to get off on being betrayed because it meant that friends and family would rally around him and make him feel so much better and, you know, oh, he doesn't deserve it. I was the first one to say, you know what, fuck this shit. You keep going back. It's your dumb ass. You're inviting this, him to do this. You're saying it's okay to do this because you don't stop. You don't stop and you don't walk away from him. You know he's not going to change. And so, Jenna, I'm telling you this right now. He's not going to change. He's going to put his dick in anything and everything that he's allowed to because you allow it. Period. That is the full thrust of this. You're not to blame for his cheating. We all make a conscious choice whether or not to cheat on our partners. But you enable him to do it because you don't stick to consequences. You take him back and he knows you're going to take him back. I don't want to sound harsh. Yes, I do. (gasps) Why am I lying? Girl, dump his cheating ass, okay? Trust me, if I found dick pics on my boyfriend's phone and they weren't his and they weren't being sent to me, You have better believe there will be hell on this earth. Or if we ask Will, he'll say that I'm already bringing the hell in. Who knows what Devil Ed would do? Apparently there's multiple Eds. Who knew? I'll be right back. And I'm back. And Nano is less than a month away. Um, so I don't know if any of you are doing it, but if you are, let me know. Hit me up, Facebook, uh, Facebook and Instagram author Ed Anderson, Twitter author Ed A. Let's talk Nano though. Let's talk Nano Prep more, more concisely. Now, okay, for those of you who don't know what Nano is, first of all, where the fuck have you been? I've talked about this forever. Last November, that's all I talked about. 
I don't think there was one segment last November where I didn't complain about NaNoWriMo. Okay, so NaNoWriMo is National Novel Writing Month. And basically the goal is to write 50,000 words in 30 days. And I usually end up doing it alone. Um, last year, Will did it with me, or started to do it with me. Um, but uh, he had to stop because he was working on another project that uh, was more important that needed to be completed. So I ended up finishing my book, and I, I actually finished it way ahead of schedule. So that made me very, very happy. And I'm anticipating that this year my project will be finished ahead of schedule as well. But with me, you never know. Sometimes, I, sometimes I'm on fire and sometimes I'm drunk. And those are not exclusively mutual, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> So, in any case, I, you know, I've, I've really learned to embrace doing this by myself, even though it's, it is nice to have a buddy. One of the ways, and I didn't do this last year, in fact, I've only done it one year, and I didn't finish that year, so I don't know what that says about me and prep. Oh, yes, I do. It means I'm shit at it. I'm shit at it. Um, oh, seriously. Just a, a, a quick little side note here. Um, I I told you Will yelled at me about DMs and whatnot. And he's completely right. But, he, you know, he's back on the production note kick. And... We all know what happens when I use production notes. I come out sounding like a robot. A sexy, sexy robot. <laughs> oh, I cannot wait for Will to hear this segment. I'm going to get so much shit. <laughs> uh, okay, anyways. So, I'm not good at prep. Never have been. Um, and I know... I know that I would probably come out more professional and everything, like, my, my work would read better. Um, I would sound better in the, on, on the show. Uh, would I, when I do my public speaking, I would seem more put together. But it's just not who I am. I am a pantser by nature. A pantser, for those of you who don't know, there are two types of writers, or essentially the theory is that there are two types of writers. The planners and the pantsers. The planners are those, like Will, who painstakingly take their time to craft an outline or and or other general notes uh, for their for their manuscript. Or for their project. Then there are people like me. 
who, and this is 100% true, Will has actually witnessed me as I've recorded. I have no idea what the fuck I'm going to say. Like, I know the story. I, I can recite the story back to you. I just don't know what I'm going to say about it, ever. And I, I can all, I can hear you all saying right now, that's not really a big shock, Ed. We know that. You say, um, like every other word. And let me tell you, if if I wrote like I talked, I would be in a lot of trouble because my editors would be taking out at least 50,000 ums. Because even as I'm writing, even, even as I'm writing it, like I, I'll read my articles out loud and I'm like, oh, I, I see where all the ums are coming in at. Uh, so, anyways, so I, I don't plan. But I, I did try. And on writing.com, there are some really, really helpful groups and tips. The biggest one is planning out your characters. And I've been doing a lot of character work with Will. Because, again, he's brilliant. And when I, I don't say that lightly. Will is fucking brilliant. He's a fabulous writer. Um, he is a great producer. When I tell you, I spend five, uh, I I spend five minutes planning my my segment, and he and he spends at least. And I don't think this is an exaggeration. He's never actually told me how long it takes him. But I think it takes him at least two hours just to do a ten-minute segment for you all. I know, I know. If I was a better, if I was a better host, I would be doing this. But in my defense, I've always been more about quantity. You know, the, the, my argument is, is this, basically. I have to do 20 segments once we're back on a daily schedule. I have to do 20 segments um, in a work week. That's not including the weekends. If we're including the weekends, I'm doing 30, 35 I'm doing 35 segments. I don't have 70 hours to... I don't have 70 hours to plan each individual segment. Um, damn it. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. So I just do what I do best. I go with my comfort. And it's the same thing with my writing. And, I, and this is true for all creative. I think everyone has to go and do what, what they feel comfortable doing. Uh, you know, uh, one of my Will's mutual friends has basically 
outlined and plotted an entire fantasy series. Just like Will. There's nothing she doesn't know about her uh, about her series. Literally nothing she doesn't know. Um, but the converse of that is she's not that far into the first book and I'm already whipping out another one that, and I know that sounds braggy and shitty but it's true but it works for her it works for Will pantsing everything and doing everything by the edge of my seat works for me somehow I would just like to say that Harlan Coben, a best-selling author um, of domestic thrillers, doesn't use outlines either. In fact, when I seen him at a writing conference, he said, and I quote, I just sit and write. And if I have an idea, I throw it into the blender and see if it works. And if it works, great. If it doesn't, then I pull it out and I save it for another book. And I think that's really great advice. So let me know if you're doing nano. You have all my social media stuff. And I'm going to take a break. And when I come back, Will is going to be taking over for Politalk. I'll be right back. And I'm back. And as promised, I have brought Will with me. Of course, he's starting to fire me from the show because I forgot the, the, the shot glasses again. All right, let's clear things up. One, I haven't threatened to fire you. Use threats I've actually made if you want to because I'm, I'm funnier with threats than you are. Your threats are terrifying and not funny. Two, this, I, like, I reminded you <laughs> this morning to bring them and you didn't. And your explanation is, the explanation you've given for me, Maeve, about this is deeply unsatisfactory. I had things to do. People to see. Drinks to drink. People to see being, what, the liquor store owner? (laughs) You think you could have picked up some shot glasses from him, you know? Y'all hear how he talks to me. Anyway, (laughs) moving on. Also, you don't need to say, as promised, I brought Will when I'm on here every week at the same time. Uh, there's a tradition that we follow in this family. No, there isn't. You've, this is literally a thing that you just started doing this month. But, okay, moving on. We're back, folks, with uh, this week's Politalk. Or, at this point, I might as well just call it um, segment number three of Impeachment News Network. Since... <laughs> That is um, all. That is the biggest news story of the week, and um, probably the biggest news story of the year, actually. Maybe the decade. Maybe I don't know. Uh, been a lot of big stories this decade. New um, news hit, um, over the course of this week. A couple of big things have happened. First off, right at the tail end of last week, the United States is. Envoy to the Ukraine, Kurt Volkner, I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly, resigned, um, citing, well, 
a moral situation that would soon become clear as the House called him to testify. As part of that process, he, um, he released a trove of State Department text messages dating back to June of this year, actually earlier, dating back basically to the start of Biden's campaign, discussing the Trump administration's plans to put pressure on the Ukraine to investigate Joe Biden. And specifically, specifically, the company that Hunter Biden served on the board from since 2014. Jesus, good Lord. So yeah. He's frightened of Biden for some reason. Yeah, he's very, very frightened of this 70-year-old man who um, kind of looks pretty doddering up there, if I'm being honest. But anyway, the meat of these texts are they show that the State Department did coordinate with Rudy Giuliani to... Uh, tried to launch the investigation and that the uh, with and that withholding military aid was explicitly tied the idea of withholding the 400 million in, mil- in military aid that Congress had earmarked for the Ukraine was pretty explicitly tied to unless they do this investigation we'll hold the money now Ukraine's uh, top prosecutor has announced an audit an audit of the previous investigations which focused um, on criminal charges prior to um, ending in about 2012, focused on conduct at the company Hunter Biden served at up to 2012. Hunter Biden joined the company in 2014. So nothing to do with it. Yeah, pretty much. But Trump is making a lot of noise about it. But that's what he does. The... um, the top prosecutor stressed that this does not mean that they are reopening the investigations, merely that they are conducting a review. If you ask me, this sounds like they're stalling for time in the hopes that Congress will just give them the money anyway and tell Trump to stuff it, which hopefully is what will happen, but we're not sure. Republicans have not found their spines. Well, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the bluntest way to put it, you know, uh, Donald Trump uses Lindsey Graham's spine as a pool cue. You heard it here first. <laughs> oh, I love it. <clears throat> Other news. This week is... Um, this month will be the start of a new Supreme Court term. The court is set to hear cases concerning whether or not it's legal to fire a person for being transgender. If... um. That is the biggest case, as legal uh, legal scholars are concerned, that a court ruling that it, a court ruling here has the potential to undermine Title VII with regards to LGBTQ rights. Man, that's a fucking that's a fucking mouthful of a phrase. <laughs> this is why I work for myself. I'll put some more. Um, I'll provide some more information on the Supreme Court's docket next week. But the short version is this. The Supreme Court uh, has swung pretty far conservative and has a, uh, it's looking like conservatives will get a, will get a chance to have the social issues they've long, they've long are um, debated over, heard before the court relating to abortion, gay rights, etc., etc. More details on that next week. In the meantime, one more story to cover. A key witness in the uh, Dallas, in the trial of Amber Geiger, 
the Dallas police officer who shot Botham Jean in his own house after mistakenly thinking it was her own. Allegedly. Had, allegedly. Yeah, that's what she claimed. It's a defense that doesn't really pass the laugh test, but, you know. She was sentenced to murder, Amber Geiger, and was given... Hmm, sentenced to murder. <laughs> she, was, she was convicted of murder and sentenced to 10 years in prison. Now, the, the lead witness in this case, a man named Joshua Brown, was found dead, was killed in a shooting on Friday. He was... Um, there were no witnesses who saw the shooting happen, but apparently a lot, he was alone when it happened. Some witnesses saw a silver four-door sedan leaving the scene immediately afterwards, and he was shot in the stomach and the throat at point-blank range, based on what the medical examiner claims. So this was very likely, his lawyer has suggested that this was very likely an ambush and an assassination. Jesus, good Lord. Yeah, those were my thoughts exactly. The case is very, very likely to draw national interest, especially given its similarity to a number of case, a number of unsolved cases, a number of unsolved cases involving the deaths of Ferguson of Black Lives Matter activists, specifically ones who participated in the Ferguson protests about five years ago. Oh, mm. those alt-right people. Mm-hmm. Specifically, this, um... Six people connected to the protests have died, often in mysterious ways. And, um... The local, uh... Many of the local survivors have reported that they regularly receive death threats. Reverend Amber... Reverend... I apologize. Sorry about that. Reverend Daryl Gray has an, has an anonymous that added that he recently found an unmarked box containing a six-foot python in his car. Good God. Two activists have been found uh, dead in torched cars after having been shot. The crime is busy. Yeah, well... The police have stated that there is no evidence connecting these to white supremacist uh, connecting these to white supremacist deaths, but a trend is a trend, and people are still talking. There, there's no evidence connecting me to the empty tequila bottle, but we all know what happened. There's plenty of evidence connecting you to the empty tequila bottle. <laughs> Let's not use. Now, I'm sure after that dilute deluge of bad news. You're all looking for some more uplifting stories. So here I have one for you. Donald Trump um, basically tweeted a meme of an old Nickelback song <laughs> attempt, uh, attempting to attack Joe Biden earlier this week. Uh, for those of you who know the look at this graph, look at this photograph meme. It was that, but with a picture of Joe Biden playing golf with his son and one of his son's business partners, the Ukrainian firm. Now, I can't give a better description of that because the tweet has been taken down. Nickelback filed a copyright claim and managed to get the tweet struck down for poor use. So, um, as of press time, people that Donald Trump ha has lost a Twitter war with include a 16-year-old with Asperger's, uh, 
apparently saxophone playing, a kaleidoscope saxophone playing Twitter user with the handle Muscle Baby and a wild picture, and Nickelback. <laughs> and that's all for the Politalk this week, folks. Tune in next time for more information about the Supreme Court, most likely more impeachment, and most likely more impeachment news. And maybe shot glasses. Yeah, please. <laughs> Cheers.